Welcome to New Chip Accelerate, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the New Chip Accelerator. From investing to building a company culture, this podcast strives to shine a light on the many unknowns that entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. Through talks with key personalities, Accelerate will teach you how to approach your investors, companies, customers, and roles with a fresh perspective. Today, we are going to hear from Akash Bhatt from the investment team at Scrum Ventures, a San Francisco-based sector agnostic VC firm that invests in technologies that help build the future of smart society. Akash joined New Chips Investor Relations Director Lori Circoni to talk about support and partnership opportunities for startups interested in the Japanese market. Let's get right into it. Hi, everyone. Um, we have a special guest today, Akash Bhatt from uh, Scrum Ventures, and he is joining us today. Uh, Scrum Ventures is a great partner of New Chip, and we have collaborated um, on several of our companies. Um, we'll be talking a little bit more about their venture fund and um, programs that they currently have uh, that partner with Japanese corporations. So before we get started into the details of uh, Scrum Ventures, I'd like uh, just to, Akash, just tell us a little bit more about your background. What's your history? Um, you know, well, what's your what's your specialty? Um, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for the invitation, Laurie. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we've had some really great times in terms of working together, and I'm looking forward to extending this beyond just this year as well. A little bit about my background. I've been very fortunate to play the roles of to play all the roles within a startup ecosystem. So I was a founder. I co-founded a workforce preparedness and direct uh, and and uh, uh, being work ready platform called Chiksha back in India. Um, and um, post that, I was an employee at a food tech startup called Dazzo and have been part of an incubator and accelerator as well back home in India called NASCOM 10,000 Startups, which is started by the government of India, where the idea was to impact 10,000 startups over the course of 10 years. And this journey began way back in 2012. And now I'm at the last stop where I'm a VC. Uh, I took a stop midway to pursue my MBA at Columbia Business School. That's where I discovered my path into venture capital by closely working with a few professors who were advising VC firms from their um, from, from, from a venture partner capacity. And that's basically where I found my first gig in venture capital, helping some of these professors out. And from there on, I've not looked back. I got a first job at Ace Ventures based out of New York, making investments in gaming, esports, and media and, and entertainment. And in late 2018, I made the switch to Scrum Ventures, which is a, you know, as you mentioned, sector agnostic firm based in San Francisco. We invest primarily in the US and Japan. And I, being an agnostic uh, investor, look at every sector under the sun, except for biotech and cryptocurrencies, which I'm not too familiar with myself. So that's basically my background, but happy to expand on anything that I've mentioned so far. No, that's uh, quite a uh, quite an extensive and varied background. That sounds uh, great. You have a great foundation um, to work with, uh, you know, work with companies uh, in the startup ecosystem. So tell me a little bit more about Scrum Ventures, what Scrum Ventures uh, does. Um, you mentioned a little bit about being agnostic, but, um, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about uh, the funds and a little bit more about um, your partnership, that program with the Japanese corporations. Absolutely. So Scrum was founded in 2013 
Um, and it was a $5 million fund to begin with, very small fund. It was only a solo GP. Tak Miata was, was running the fund um, single-handedly at that point. Now, then the thesis when he started was to build on what we call Society 4.0, which is a thesis that was put together by the Japanese government, where you know the the earlier ecosystem was was all about the connected infrastructure and building the first layer to to help build technologies on top of that. And we've seen that come about uh, globally as well. We've built that first layer of infrastructure in most places, and now we're ready to really add multiple layers onto that. What I mean by that is we've had the existing back then we had 4G technology set up and we were then trying to build technologies that could equip uh, 4G and leverage the powers of 4G. Similarly, in terms of transportation, uh, most glo- globally and here in the United States, robust infrastructures were built to, to, to really build on top of the mobility infrastructure that was created by the governments and stakeholders involved to build better technology solutions on top of that. Very similarly, when he started the, the fund, the idea was to look at technologies that could then be plugged in to all of these ecosystems across the globe, beginning with Japan and the United States. So that was the idea of fund one. Um, and you know, till till date, we've made about 81 investments. We, have, we were operating out of three funds. We're about um, a few months away from the close of our fourth fund. And the thesis hasn't really changed a lot from that point. But the only thing where what I would say today is, today we like to back entrepreneurs who are building technology for the future of smart society. So it has become, there's an evolution that's come about from society 4.0 to, to societies of, of for a better tomorrow. And by that, I mean, uh, existing infrastructures that we can leverage. And at the same time, can we also create infrastructures? Can we be the pioneers in helping um, governments and stakeholders and help them build newer infrastructures around the globe, which hasn't really happened uh, from a VC perspective. This has always been the role that uh, a government has played or local municipalities have played. A VC firm has never taken an initiative to to help build that. And we've taken that step forward and working very closely with uh, our partners in Japan, um, both the government and the stakeholders, as well as corporates. One thing that I need to point out at this point is that all of our LPs are Japanese corporates. So that also gives us access to, um, you know, basically underwrite and undertake some of these infrastructure-based projects where we come in from a VC perspective and are, and are able to plug in our startups into these into these ecosystems and, and build on that. So that's currently where we are from an investment standpoint. And uh, along with that came along um, something we call Scrum Studio. So in 2017, we started working with Nintendo uh, who happened to be one of our partners who came to us and said, hey, we're looking for cutting edge technologies that we can plug into our existing Nintendo suite of products. Can you help us source some of the best? And we said, absolutely. We'd be more than happy to do that. And it was a one-off project just with Nintendo to begin with. But that gave us an idea that this can actually go places where we can directly work with Japanese corporates and help them with some of their business problems. Because Let's face it, CVCs sometimes are resource-deprived. Uh, resource they don't have the, um, the right amount of people on the team and the expertise on the team to go out and source companies globally unless you're hiring somebody who has a global network. And sometimes that's not, that's not really possible. That's where we come in. And we do all of the heavy lifting. So we run these programs on the side, which is very similar to what you might see at a Techstars or a 500 Startups, where we directly work with a corporate um, or corporates, multiple of them sometimes. 
and um, bring together these projects to life. And these projects could have a direct impact on the Japanese economy, on uh, what's being deployed on ground in Japan, and really have a Western interest in in bringing some best-in-class startups into the country so that they can develop the infrastructure as well as the startup ecosystem in Japan and vice versa. The Japanese companies then get an access to all of our programs, all of our mentors, all of the um, network that we have built on this side of the world. So it's a very cross-border sort of synergy that we have ongoing between Japan and the United States and the rest of the global um, ecosystem that we are trying to build under this big umbrella. So that's the studio side of the program. So it launched in 2017. We now have five studio programs that we are live with. We had uh, Panasonic. Um, work with us on the electronic studio. We had uh, Dentsu, SoftBank, Microsoft, Itochu, CBC, uh, and Sony come together to work with us on the sports tech um, studio side. They came to us in 2018 and they wanted to build the next layer of infrastructure beyond the Olympics. And they said, what do we do? And we put together this robust program bringing together about 160 startups from across the globe who could then be plugged into the Japanese tech eco- ecosystem, sports tech ecosystem, and whether existing stakeholders could start working with them and really leverage the power of technology to build that next layer that Japan needed to become a superpower in terms of being uh, in, on, on the sporting level. And very similarly, we've de- since then launched two more programs. One is called the Smart City X with about 12 Japanese partners. And we have the Food Tech Studio program where we again work with about 10 Japanese partners. Very similarly, we're trying to fix some of the immediate issues that came across through um, the pandemic, which was we need to build robust infrastructures to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again. And on the food side, um, again, going back to the pandemic as well, the origins of it, our supply chain is broken, especially in the food ecosystem. And where can we really come in and plug, plug in technology to solve that solution? That's basically where we're thinking of. Our studio said the program is about bringing all of the startups from across the globe and giving them an access to Japan and our Japanese partners. Because from an investment perspective, we only tend to work with Japan and US-based companies. So this gives us an opportunity to open up the entire ecosystem globally and for us to become uh, an enabler in that in that chain. So that's a little bit about Scrum and Scrum uh, Studios and how we are structured. Yeah, um, that that's really fascinating. And I know um, as companies um, are are sent to you, become aware of companies they apply to be in your program. Your selection is somewhat of a hybrid approach. Um, you review the companies, and then your Japanese companies, corporations in each of those sectors also review the companies. Um, What are some of the things that those that the Japanese corporations look for? Now, you talked about this next layering um, with all of these different, whether it be um, food um, tech based or smart city based. You know, we see some companies that our improvement over what's out there through, they're basically doing the same, you know, maybe it's mobility, but they have, you know, an, an in, uh, improved approach to doing what's currently out there. And then some others that are totally disruptive that have a new, totally different approach. So what are some of the things that the corporations are looking for? Um, it, maybe you can give some examples of, you know, what, you know, what, what they've chosen or what, what their really needs are. Oh, that's a great question. And we get that all the time. What's what's in it for the Japanese partners, right? Why can't they do this on their own? And um, one thing that we've, we pride ourselves on is that um, it's, it's stage agnostic. 
And you know, typically, what happens with accelerators or incubator programs is they 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 they'd want to incubate certain type of companies, and usually these are pre-seed stage, pre-seed or seed stage companies, so that you're you're basically providing them the acceleration and building the foundation for them to scale from there on, and using the accelerator as a launch pad to get to get to a, a, a different level. But what we do is we work with companies from all across the globe, across any sector, across any stage. So we've had companies that have raised upwards of $80 million be part of the program because we're opening up a new market for them. And that's basically what our partners would like to do as well. Our partners would like to work with companies that they have probably not identified and must have missed their radar, or they weren't aware that these companies are actually even open to working with them because nobody, because some, let, let's face it, some of these Japanese corporates are huge. They have upwards of tens of uh, thousands of people working under them. And there's so many subsidiaries. And unfortunately, one subsidiary might not know if another subsidiary is actually working with this company or not. And, and internally, that communication can also take a long time. So when you're when we open these doors for some of our um, you know, for, for some of our startups, you now have an opportunity to work with everybody under that subsidiary, should that corporate want to want to make this happen. So it's a, so, the, so the partners have a vested interest in growing all of their businesses by being part of this program. And they all come with one agenda, the agenda being, we'll open up the Asia opportunity for you. And we're the best place people to do so because we have certain projects that we are, uh, that we are undertaking that we, have, um, that, that, that we have initiated here in the Japanese side, and we'd like to grow that. And if you take a look at all of our uh, studio-based programs, all the partners who came in and have worked with us have at some point launched their own initiative in Japan or have their own CVCs and they'd like to plug in these startups for the same. So it's basically three things if I were to sum it up. One is business development. How can our partners unlock opportunities for you? Two is partnerships. How can you tag team together and open up new markets for both yourself as a startup as well as from a, from a Japanese perspective for the, for, the, for the company as well? And third and most importantly, because all of these corporates also have CVCs, they'd like to be part of your part of your journey from an investment perspective. So we're able to source these companies for them on those basis. So these are three things that our partners are looking for. They're looking for cutting edge technologies for them to to work with, to invest in, and to partner with. Very simply to 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 um, um, sum that up. And from our perspective, how is this unique? Is that we don't take any equity from a scum perspective, or our partners don't take any equity from these startups for participating. And that's one way that we're a little unique from some of the accelerators. Uh, there is no Western interest for us to, uh, we, don't, we don't tell the startups like, hey, you can only participate if you know we take 6% equity and all you're, you're paying $10,000 to be a part of the program. No, we don't. Our partners are already paying us for it. So we only have an interest in identifying the best startups and bringing those startups to our Japanese partners because we get paid on this side by our partners anyway. For the, so for the startups, it's free. We only, uh, and we also do all of the heavy lifting for the startups. We do not, um, I mean, it's great. We've, 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 did, we've done this in the past as well. We hosted webinars, we hosted all these sessions. We connected them to mentors. We we made a curated effort to ensure this networking happened, but then slowly, quickly realized that because some of these companies, as I previously mentioned, are later stage companies, they've gone on to raise $80 million and beyond, they're perhaps not looking for mentoring. They're perhaps just looking for biz dev opportunities. 
So we've started eliminating uh, the need for these curated networking sessions if it's not required. If you're interested in it, we ask a question, hey, if you're interested, we'll connect you to XYZ. And we ask them to list down people who they want to be connected and we facilitate those conversations. Previously, we used to, this used to be a, a very standard procedure where we used to do it on our own. But we realized that you know we'll take all of these things out. We'll do the heavy lifting in terms of biz dev partnerships and investment because that's what the companies are looking for. And we'll only focus on things that the founders can uh, dedicate a little bit of their time into and not really be a time suck. So that's a little different from some from some of the other accelerators and the way that we have positioned it ourselves. So that makes it a little more easier from a founder perspective to participate. And they feel that they're passive, but at the same time involved because conversations are leading to partnerships and investments in some cases. So that's a little bit about how the whole program is structured and what the partners get out of it. Okay. And do you work, is there a, a certain... Um... A certain department or certain title or certain level um, of a uh, someone at the corporations that sort of has that role? Um, is it like a venture scout or somebody that has the role of uh, kind of being the person that works with you and works with these startups? Absolutely. So some of these uh, teams, either like, for example, Dentsu created a new division called Dentsu New Business um, New Business Division, where they appointed a bunch of people who would run this program for them. So sometimes the corporate goes ahead and creates a new subsidiary, which is in charge of running this program internally on their side, or sometimes existing um, initiatives and their heads and their leads uh, end up working on it. For example, uh, with Smart City X, we had the people who were working on Toyota's Triad project and the Woven Planet initiative come together and help us work with the Smart City X project as well. So it could be existing initiatives and leads within companies who will then end up working with us, or um, you'll, you'll have a new team that's being formed with uh, a person who has decision-making capability. So oftentimes what happens, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this as well, when you end up working with um, Japanese corporates or Asian companies mostly, the decision-making power is usually less than one person and getting to that stage oftentimes takes months. Uh -huh. And what we do is we eliminate that by working with the right people so that they can then end up making the right decision for and on behalf of the corporate themselves. So the elimination of time in that whole decision-making process is a win-win for everybody involved in the process. Got it. Got it. And kind of going back in some of your earlier um, partnerships, you had mentioned um, you had done um, like the sports uh, tech and, um, and some of the earlier ones you mentioned. Can you give an example? I don't know if you can give an example of a company that um, was very successful, maybe in their biz development or expanding into Japan as part of the program. Sure, there are a few um, that have come out of it. One I can tell you is, an, is a company called Omega Wave, okay. uh, which is based out of Finland. And uh, they were one of the finalists into our program as well. They were part of the 159 companies that got accepted. And they were shortlisted as one of the 12 companies that, that ended up becoming a finalist uh, at our program. So a company like that was then able to go ahead and do two things, right? They were able to forge relationships with the local football um, as well as volleyball teams in Japan, the Olympic teams. And at the same time, they were able to strike partnerships with uh, the Japanese Olympic Association to become an official partner with them and work with some of the sports teams that they wanted to 
go ahead and work with. And most importantly, then to consider them from an investment standpoint. And this is, again, um, very con- confidentially speaking as well. I would not like to um, unveil what happened beyond that, but uh, that did lead to an opportunity for this company to be considered from an investment point. They did diligence in the company. They had some extensive conversations. And that led to some other companies also considering them from an investment uh, perspective. So it really opened doors for Omega Wave, which had previously never even looked at the Japanese market. So this becomes a fantastic opportunity for somebody who is maybe not considered Japan because they felt uh, it's a difficult market for us to navigate. We don't have partners there. There's a language barrier. It's a cultural barrier. It's also not worth our time because sometimes the decision-making um, powers that previously mentioned rest with um, somebody else, and it often takes months to even get to get to that level. And even after that, it takes a significant amount of time to, for them to arrive at a decision. So sometimes people don't even consider the Japanese market, and that's where we're able to come in and um, elevate those conversations and ensure that these conversations don't, don't take beyond a couple of months to at least come to a decision, which is yes or no. Because sometimes even no takes like 12 to 14 months. And sometimes you just want that no to be even quickly. Right, right. Um, and um, one question that probably, you know, we've all been facing is with the pandemic. Um, have Has that brought on any additional, um, I guess, needs for solutions that um, have possibly changed what some of the corporations have been focused on or looking for? Absolutely. Now, um, both the programs that we launched during 2020 were basically a result of, you know, what what's happened during the pandemic. When we started looking at uh, Smart City X, we were, as I previously mentioned, we were trying to see what is the next um, layer of infrastructure that can be built on existing uh, layers, so that we can we can ensure that the pandemic or, or a situation like the pandemic doesn't come again in our in our lives. And it's very hard for us to to really do that, right? If you if you if we have broken supply chains, we have broken ecosystems. We don't really have the right tracking mechanisms at at various levels. It's very difficult to come up with and even identify an outbreak of this kind. And that's when Smart City X was launched. And you know, we were trying to solve key challenges that plagued our entire um, cities and how cities were designed to begin with. And the whole concept of smart city. Uh, which dates back at least 20 years uh, when the first one was officially launched, haven't really been smart, to, to be very honest. I mean, it's been, it's, 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 it's probably as smart as the first Nokia phone that came out, if that's, how we've, if that's probably how I would compare it. It was smart, for sure, but it's smart, but still dated smart. It's yeah. not evolved with evolving times, and that's what we wanted to address. We wanted to address it from a standpoint where it was 2020 or 2021 ready and not dated back a decade or a decade and a half ago and saying that it was ready from that perspective. We have, our smart cities haven't evolved as such. And these smart cities have come across globally. Every year we have about 12 to 15 smart cities popping up or initiatives that are popping up, but they haven't really caught up with, um, with, with the times because most importantly, infrastructures have not been built across countries. But Japan, on the other hand, had these infrastructures had been running these smart city initiatives. And yet, you know, we hadn't really leveraged the power of um, the smart city programs that we had in, in Japan. And that's kind of where we felt we can really leverage our existing relationships and at the same time, use our expertise in sourcing the startups and bring them into the ecosystem. 
and um, and really answer these answer these problems. And very similarly, for from even a food tech perspective, you know, we wanted to again look and you know our common vision here was bringing together uh, our, our common vision of bringing better and more efficient processes within our food development ecosystem and supporting emerging food brands, you know, to solve key challenges that are plagued our supply chain. And some of the examples just being food uh, wastage, so wastage reduction, safety, uh, uh, inspection, health, last mile uh, delivery. So everything from health and wellness to next generation foods, to supply chain and logistics, to consumer products, as well as sustainability, because sustainability has become a very pressing topic at top of mind for even the consumers, not just the the brands themselves. So we want to be checking all of these boxes that we have identified that probably have not been looked into enough or have been overlooked in the last few years, which has kind of caused us to be where we are today in terms of the pandemic. And we want to address all of these uh, issues in the supply chain. And to answer them, we want to plug technology to answer these uh, these loopholes. And that's what we're, we're hoping to to solve with, with food, food Tech Studio as well. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's great. And, um, you know, as we go on and you had mentioned that the solution, you know, the the solutions, I guess, you know, they're always, um, you know, trying to catch up to the problems, I guess, that the world yeah. is encountering, encountering. I mean, where do you see, if anything, being five years from now, long term, like if you had to, you know, in your best um wishes for where this could could take you i mean the five-year goal is in my opinion very um it's still a myopic view um because we can say from a u.s perspective that it's opened up so many loopholes within our healthcare system here even though we think of the united states as one of the most advanced markets and economies in the world it has really shown us the challenges that the healthcare system has uh, because of the pandemic. And, and when you go to the other side, when you look at Japan, you can see the implementation side that's been uh, the biggest challenge. In spite of you know robust technologies and infrastructure that's already present, implementation is taking a lot of time. And that problem only when you start trickling down to tier two, tier three markets, and by markets, I mean uh, countries across the globe, uh, I can speak from an India perspective. Infrastructure is a huge problem. Population is a huge problem. Implementing technology is a problem. Healthcare system is not always robust. So it just starts magnifying all across the globe when you start you know, going down into countries and, and, and different continents and see the challenges that it brings about. So from a five-year perspective, I think what is really, I mean, one the, the only good thing to come out of the pandemic is that everybody has, is now more cognizant. They're trying to look at the loopholes. And they're trying to see how technology can answer these uh, these problems. And the only thing that's going to come out of this is the push for more technology. The more investment will go into, from a macro perspective, more investment is going into supporting these tech startups because people have realized that the solution to this is not just one, one person or just one company. It's an ecosystem that needs to come together. It's multiple startups, it's multiple technologies, multiple innovations, it's people working together in harmony, it's the policymakers coming together and drafting policies that are helpful for companies and startups and technologies to be implemented. It's the stakeholders from a government side who can implement these policy changes. It's the startups who need to come and leverage the, um, the, 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 the policies that have been written in favor of them. Uh, 
and some of the the other uh, benefits that they are receiving from the government side and from 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 an enablement standpoint people like us need to identify these trends and need to start investing in these trends so that we can then push forward and and really work together with everything that's happening around us so the next 5 years is going to be the year is going to be a period where i feel more of the ecosystem players will start becoming aware that this these challenges need to be addressed and all of these things will be put into place it's very it's very short period to say if we can really see up and coming trends pop out in these 5 years of course we will see more automation that comes across and it's a very standard answer that anybody will give you right we'll see more automation we'll find we'll we'll we will definitely see a few sectors that will that will see an uptick because of covid and we'll start to find but more so i want to take a step back and look at it from a macro perspective and say this is a period where i think everybody is going to look at it and say we need to solve this for our for one our our own country's sake and then from a global perspective as well and how can we all work together how can we have more cross border synergy how can we share talent technology innovation and ensure that something like this doesn't happen again and that's where i feel uh, all of the ecosystem partners will come together to ensure that there's more harmony globally which hasn't happened before people have been working in silos there's been a little bit of cross border synergy that's that's taken place over the years but it's also only happened across say for example united states and israel india and the united states india and israel india and china uh, or or china and and and, and southeast asia it's not happened at a global scale where you know you've had more people come together so from a macro perspective i think all of these changes will start falling in place just so that beyond that we can work together to really ensure not just the pandemic but we're just equipped for any sort of a challenge that 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 society throws against us and trust me there will be a lot more that will come along climate is a big issue uh that's going to that's going to be a a pressing issue in the next 10 years and how we deal with that is going to be a major challenge and you can't climate is not just a united states issue or an india or a, or a japan issue it is a global issue how can we work together to 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 combat that and any other health um uh, uh any other health related outbreak is also going to be a global issue none of these issues coming up in the next 10 years will just be one country specific yeah there will be some of those but all of this is going to affect humanity as as a whole and i think that's the macro change we can expect in the next 5 years and people opening their eyes today has probably been the biggest thing and the best thing that could have come out of the pandemic mm-hmm. no definitely so i think you made some really good points um so um kind of in wrapping up um what advice would you give uh startups today now obviously they can come and apply for your program and you know try to get um uh you know try to work with some of your partners but just more globally speaking uh for companies that want to um go to other markets and and um you know get a foothold in other markets um what uh, advice do you give them um so that they can kind of make strides towards that not to plug in scrum ventures or japan here but just to you know speak from a global perspective as well it is very important to have a, a local partner and that could be either somebody on ground or somebody who understands the market really well and that's what we do in terms of understanding the japanese market we know that we that's basically our bread and butter we have a team that's is out of japan so we're able to localize those opportunities and localize those relationships and conversations for you which sometimes you might think is really hard and that's why you don't unlock a particular market right for example if i if i want to 
expand into, say, for example, Russia, I need to understand the Russian market or I need to know somebody who understands Russia. But if I don't have anybody, I, I'm, I'm not even going to think about Russia. It's probably going to be the last market. But if, if I speak to a corporate in Russia who is basically working on something very similar, they will, they will come and tell me, hey, we should partner up. We should work together. I think there's massive potential here in the, Jap- in, in the Russian market for you to tap into. But I would have never thought of it because there were so many barriers that I put ahead of myself that we felt it's not worth the time. So I would highly recommend startups and founders to start looking at either programs or initiatives or local partners that can help them navigate those tough waters initially uh, and preferably uh, not at a cost where you're paying thousands of dollars and you don't really know if that's going to lead you to something. But try and see if there are programs and accelerators or if there are local partners who have a vested interest in helping bring startups into that particular region. Um, that would be my biggest advice to just do a little bit of research on that front. And more importantly, one learning uh, from running these programs have been that sometimes you might think that the, the the market that you want to enter is not the market for you. It's not the right market for you because you haven't researched enough for it. But if you just spend a little more time and understand what projects and, and, and initiatives have been run um, in different markets around the globe, you will just uncover new opportunities that you never thought were there. So a little bit of research is not going to hurt you. Um, yes, the United States, yes, Europe, Southeast Asia, some of these markets are, are, are huge. And uh, you probably want to target markets that can get you, it's, it's a no-brainer sort of an entry, right? But there are other markets where you can actually be extremely successful. Like a good example, and we don't work with this company at all uh, in any capacity, but it came across my table a while ago was this TikTok competitor, which launched in Singapore. They were very, very, um, it was very difficult for them to crack the Singapore market or the Southeast Asian market. But then they launched in Brazil and they became Brazil's number one number one app on the consumer market. And this was not even a market that they had thought about expanding into. But then the founders relocated. They started working with local Brazilian brands. And before you know it, they had almost 80% of the consumer market using that application in Brazil. And this is a Singapore-based company. Wow. So you never know where, you know, you you really have your, if, especially if you're a consumer brand, you don't know where your real market is sometimes unless you go and experiment and find out if uh, a new market really adopts it. So that's what I'm trying to say. The consumer behaviors today are so uh, different and newer markets might get uh, open for you if you just do a little bit of research yourselves, um, understand your user patterns, and most importantly, try and see what's happening at a macro level across the globe because you never know where the where doors are unlocked and where opportunities lie and that could really lead you onto something big. Yeah, I guess you just have to be definitely more open to it and look at that as a possibility rather than being closed to the, you know, possibility. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, mm. these are all great, piece of, great pieces of advice um, and very interesting to hear your perspectives. Um, and kind of closing, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us or our founders in general about, um, about uh, just, you know, your program or, or anything that we may have not covered or no? Uh, we do have an, a few more studio programs in the works uh, for 2021, which I would just, um, you know, let all founders listening to this, just keep an eye out for. 
we have a few that we're working on at this point and we are very excited to bring that bring that to life in the in the next uh, 10 to 12 months and that will be really interesting as well that's going to build on some of the programs that we've built and if anybody is interested in just entering the japanese market or would like to understand how we work please feel free to reach out to me um and i'm available on linkedin twitter email uh, at akash@scrum.vc just reach out to me and i'd be more than happy to have conversation with anybody and at the same time we don't because we don't have a vested interest and we don't take money from the startups i'm more than happy to connect a few of these companies should they be of relevance to any of our partners that we worked with in the past or currently i'm just happy to facilitate those conversations because at the end of the day a win for our partner and our startups is basically a win for us so we are more than happy to work with anybody you don't really have to be part of our programs but it obviously benefits you because you get access to everybody but if you just like to reach out to me and have a conversation and if there's a fit i'm more than happy to facilitate some conversations as well fantastic well thank you so much uh for your time today and thank you so much for being a great partner of new chip and uh and for helping to facilitate some of our companies and in, in terms of intros really appreciate appreciate that and again thank you so much Thank you for tuning into this episode of New Chip Accelerate. If you are interested in learning more about how New Chip enables startup founders to build their business, meet other CEOs, and raise their rounds, all while retaining 100% ownership of their companies, check us out at newchip.com. We will see you next time with another episode of New Chip Accelerate.